Hello. Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We're Stacy and Pete. And we're excited to be here, both of us, aren't we? Both of us. The both of us. <laughs> I didn't have to drag him up here. No, I was very excited today. I wonder why. I even turned off my video games early. Without me having to tell him to. You didn't? ask him to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into this episode that he's so excited about. We are so excited about. <laughs> I needed to bring up this soap opera that I have never seen an episode of, and I don't know if you have, Passions. Breathe in, breathe out. I have not seen the show, just the commercials and intro. Ah, so <laughs> Passions was an NBC soap that ran from 1999 to 2007 on NBC, and mm-hmm. then in its last season, it moved to direct TV and ended in 2008. Ah. A lot of people have argued with me that it didn't go to 2008, and I'm like, just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you didn't have direct TV. Sorry. Right. I think that that's what happened with a lot of people. They didn't have direct TV, so they just never knew how it ended. Hence, it only running for one season on DirecTV. Right. I posted the intro to the show and it blew up on Instagram. Yeah. Like, I did not know how popular it was, how many people loved it. Over 2 million views. Oh, wow. And it definitely helped us get over that 100K followers mark. Right. Because we had stayed stagnant for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, granted, it wasn't just that. We did have several things go viral, but that's what was... I don't want to say trending, but that's what was going on when we crossed over the 100K mark. Right. And now we're at 127K. It just grows. <laughs> that's awesome. But now, like, seeing all the comments and everything, I'm kind of sad that I missed it. Like, based on the passion <laughs> <laughs> behind all these people in the comments for passions. So it also featured supernatural elements. And the main focus was on the town witch, Tabitha, played by Juliet Mills, sister to Haley, wife to Maxwell Caulfield. Haley Mills is Maxwell's wife? No, Juliet Mills, who played Tabitha, is Maxwell's wife. Okay, that makes more sense to me. (laughs) I'm saying sister to Haley, wife to I get it now. Listen, you're safe. (laughs) I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And as you know, Maxwell is the one and only Rex Manning. Yes. But also Michael from Grease 2. Anyway, <laughs> so it's focused on Tabitha and her doll come to life, Timmy, played by Josh Ryan Evans, who sadly passed away in 2002. And I guess the death scene he had previously taped for Passions, like his character passed away, aired the same day that he passed away in real life. No way. Isn't that wild? Wow, that's sad. So sad. But the show, like I even saw that there was like a portal to hell that opened in someone's bedroom. Sweet. It really did seem like a wild ride that I would like to be a part of. I just watched my ABC soaps. And recently I found some VHS tapes that weren't labeled and they were just filled with episodes from like All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, commercials and all. Really? And I got sucked in immediately. You started watching them? Yeah. <laughs> like you were like, I'm here for this like and on, the storylines. I'm sitting at my desk on my computer watching my old VHS tips <laughs> because my VCR is hooked up to the computer. I mean, Tad and Dixie, like I wanted to rewatch it, but there's no time to there's watch. There's never any time. Soap operas. <laughs> but also there's no way to watch them as far as I know. But I really wish that there was like a soap app 
Yeah. That just had every single episode of every soap opera. I'll say this, right? My closest example of that is like comics, right? Yeah. Which are super hard to keep up with. They come out all the time. There's so many. But I wanted the same thing, right? It's like I wanted to go read all of Spider-Man's history from the start, even though for about 20 years, well, I will say 20 years of comic book history, it was tough to read. But in the early 2000s, people had digitized those, and then they came out and there was a way that you could get them and read them. Now there's like proper ways to do it through like some kind of Marvel app or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I had already gotten my fill of reading Spider-Man and X-Men and the Avengers and one or two other lines. I can't remember. From their start to current day, it was incredible. I mean, an absolute waste of my life for probably a year, but I I was there for it. Would it be a waste if you enjoyed it? I did enjoy it. Most of it. not a waste. Like I said, in the 60s and 70s, it was a little rough. Yeah. But you could see how storytelling started to evolve and change and it started to have more depth and, you know, it was more thoughtful rather than in the 60s, it was like stuff you'd stick on the back of a cereal box or in a newspaper, right? It was like some cheesy little story, you know, that was not overly in depth, but I, I love to see how it changed. Yeah. I do have to say, like, obviously, I know that most of the soaps that we watched started decades and decades before we ever started watching. So I would be fine if they just did like 80s through 2000s. That's very selfish of you, by the way. (laughs) I'm just saying I'd be good with that. You're not going to know the whole story. I don't need to know it because I didn't need to know it then. You know what I mean? Like, I just caught up. You just jumped in and then figured it out. Listen, I feel like there's an opportunity that they're missing. You need some of this historical info. I feel like if they're going to put it out there, maybe they could make it available by decade, right? So if you wanted to start in the 80s, you better go get the soap app for when they make the 80s available. And then you better stick there for the 90s. I would absolutely pay for that. I know you would. I feel like you should be able to pay like by decade or something. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it'd be cool to just pay a flat fee, but like, I'm sure there are still people that miss their soaps, the ones that have been canceled. And then there are people that still watch Days of Our Lives. I think it's still on. People still watch that. So older ladies who watched it in the 70s or 60s or whatever, like, I'm sure they would love to watch those. They would. And here's the thing, though. It's like all of that has a cost, right? You have to store it. You have to maintain the the servers and services that it's on. You've got to have the bandwidth and all that. That's so I saying. see it. Let's start it in the 80s. Well, that's but that's <laughs> but the that thing. Is selfish of me. I know. My idea is better, right? Um, it's right, better. Right. Here's the 60s. Do you want it? Go pay for it. It's limited time. Oh, that would be tough. Here's the 70s. You want it? It's up next for a limited time. 80s, Ooh, 90s. Not no, no, limited. No. Yes, limited time. That's how you get people to come to it. <sighs> I Sorry. mean, I can't. we can't even keep up with Love Island that comes on six days a week. Like, I don't even know how I could do soaps these days. Are, it, were they an hour long? I can't remember. Love Island? No, no, no. Oh, soaps? Soaps, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's tough then. That's 40 minutes. Because it was like all my children came on at one, when I have to live at two, General Hospital at three. Oprah Listen, at four. limited time could be a year. <laughs> you know, it's a five-year plan to cover five decades. I think we need to go pitch this to the soaps. <laughs> <laughs> the soap gods. But obviously the reason that we missed Passions is because it started in 1999. Yeah. Well, at least for me, I was in a dorm. And did not. Now, a lot of people said that they like scheduled their classes, their college classes around passions. Did they really? Yes. That is awesome. But I wasn't watching it in the dorms. And so then I never I didn't have cable. 
And when I moved to a house with some of my friends, I didn't have cable. I just watched like DVDs and stuff. This is about the time. VHS tapes. Huh? I was saying I watched DVDs, but I think I still had a VCR then. Yes, you probably would have. You might have had both. I think I had both. But like this was the time where I'd probably switched over from classic soaps to like muscle bound soaps, which were wrestling. Oh, Right. So I'd, I feel like I'd stopped watching General Hospital in like 98 or something. Yeah, that's when I fell off of all my soaps once I graduated high school. Because yeah. that was my thing. I would set my VCR every day before I went to school. And then I would come home and try to keep up, watch my soaps for three hours. Right. You know, but yeah, I just couldn't do it once I went to school because I didn't have cable in my dorm room. So I couldn't. And what was I going to do? Like ask my parents to record it and send it to me? I mean, I should have. Looking back on it, I wish I would have. It sounds like we missed out. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, is there a DVD set you can buy? I would totally watch it. There'd have to be like 50. (laughs) Where's Blockbuster when you need it? I know. So before we get into show and tell, we wanted to give a shout out to our new patrons. We've got quite a few new ones. Yes. And we're very excited. We wanted to welcome Elizabeth, Paul. Kira, Monique, Larissa, and James. Yay! (laughs) We're so excited. As you all know, every time we get a little alert that we got a new patron, it's a celebration. That's right. In our household. And since we've made the switch to one episode a week here and adding some tears onto our Patreon, more people are coming. Yeah. It's awesome. It's kind of a new thing for us to shout out members of our Patreon family here. I wish we had done it all along. We're going to gradually mention all of our patrons. This time we want to say thanks to Erica, Tierney, and Abby. Thank you. Thank you all for your support. We really appreciate it. We do. All right. Are we ready for show and tell? I know I am. Who we got coming up this week? This week we have Tyrone. Tyrone was born in 89. He said he's part of the Libra gang. (laughs) Fellow Libras, stand up. I'm not a Libra. Me either. Or we're both Sags. Sags. Sagittarius. Sagittarius. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyrone's favorite 80s movies. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Just One of the Guys, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, License to Drive, and The Breakfast Club. That is a stellar list. Classics. Favorite 80s song. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And he says, because of the movie Real Genius, another 80s favorite of mine. Nice way of sneaking in another HM. Yes, I love it. (laughs) HMs are honorable mentions if you're new here. Favorite 90s movies. Juice. Can't Hardly Wait. The Faculty. Halloween H2O. Set It Off. Night at the Roxbury, Disney's Brink, Heavyweights, Little Giants, The Sandlot, Dennis the Menace, and Problem Child 2. Wow, what a list. I love it. That's the first time I've seen Juice listed on Show and Tell. Love that movie. Favorite 90s song from Missy Elliott, Super Duper Fly, I Can't Stand the Rain. Super Duper Fly, Super I love that song. Favorite 80s or 90s TV shows, Saved by the Bell, Fresh Prince, Martin, Boy Meets World, Steve Harvey Show, Salute Your Shorts, Smart Guy, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Hey Arnold, and Keenan and Kel. Another fantastic list. I know. Toys that Tyrone loved most, his Sega Genesis, 
his Sony PS1, the first PlayStation, Gator Golf, and Eat It Ralph's. Oh, I've not, I've not heard of that. What is it? I haven't heard Eat It Ralph's either. I want to look it up. Sounds interesting. It's a board game. Oh, it looks like a pizza. Oh, no, there's lots of food there. The object of the game is to be the first player to feed all your food to Ralph. On each turn, players roll the die and must feed him a certain food. A numbered roll, one, two, or three, indicates the number of food he must swallow. If a player rolls stuff, he or she can attempt to feed him as much food as he or she wants to attempt. If he regurgitates the food, the player must keep it, which may include some that he or she did not feed him. Ralph is also a common expression for vomiting. Wow. <laughs> that is funny. And a dietary note, it says, Ralph has a sensitive stomach. Please don't feed him anything except the special cardboard food enclosed. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to note that. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Literal pizza was going in there. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I see a commercial for it, too. I'll have to share that. Yeah. Favorite games or books? Resident Evil 2, Twisted Metal series, Siphon Filter, Mortal Kombat, as far as games, and then Goosebumps are my all-time favorite books. Ah, I did not have the first PlayStation. It is one of the only gaming systems of the major ones that I didn't own. Really? When did you get it? The second one? Yes, I started with the PS2. So I missed out on playing most of these games. I, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat on different systems, but I can remember the commercials for all of these and being very jealous that I didn't have the PS1. There was just so much to have, right? Like, it was hard to stay on top of it all. Exactly, right? Like, they were pricey. I was in college, I think, when this came out. I can remember across the hall from me in my dorm, somebody had the PlayStation. They were playing Tomb Raider, and I was just amazed and <laughs> wished that I had it. But I was stuck with my Super Nintendo. <laughs> Favorite place to go in the mall? KB Toy Stores, Walden Books, Suncoast, Arcade Room, FYE, and the Food Court. Can't argue with that. No, I'm picturing Arcade Room right now, and I'm wishing I was there. <laughs> we were just talking about this yesterday in the car, about how everything used to be so much more dimly lit. Yes. This is because, I forgot we were going to mention this. So my sister and her husband took their nephew, which was my brother-in-law's brother's kids. <laughs> I've made that more complicated than it needed to be. <laughs> they took them to Chuck E. Cheese. And I was like, send me pictures. Like, I want to see what it looks like now. And it was very sad. Yes. Right? And it's very digitized now. There's no more tokens or tickets. Like, Ugh. none of that. It's all digital. And everything looked really bright. Like, yes. Bright fluorescent lights. And Pete was like, I feel like my Chuck E. Cheese was really dark inside. Yeah, there was a theater where you would watch Chucky and the gang up there, the and Rock it was Fire dark. The Rock Fire Explosion. Or wait, was that when it was uh, Showbiz? So I was right. The Rock of Fire Explosion was the name of the band when it was Showbiz Pizza. I'm seeing two different things. It's either Munch's Party Time Band or Munch's Make Believe Band. Oh, I'm seeing the Make Believe Band. Okay. I, I wonder that, which one it that was. That feels more right Yeah. in my heart. It's what I feel like I remember. So that was the band that was at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I remember in that big theater, it had the ball crawl down near the front where the stage was. Oh, really? Yeah, well, it also had Swiss cheese under the stage. So you could like crawl in there and crawl out. I remember you talking about that. And yeah. it blew my mind up because all of our stuff, like where the games and the ball pit and everything was in a different room. Listen. Yours sounded better. 
My memory might also be flawed, but I do know the Swiss cheese was in that main stage area. And you could crawl in. You could crawl in it. Maybe the ball crawl wasn't there. That's a good shot. Now, the arcade, very dimly lit. On purpose, yes. right? Yeah. It had like the carpet. And everything that, lit up. Yeah, everything lit up. And then there was like a back section that had more tables and stuff like that. And whatever the dog was that was like Elvis, I think, mm. that was back there. And it was more brightly lit from what I remember. Okay. Yeah, I remember the theater, whatever it was called, where the band performed and you ate being dimly lit. And then the area where the games and stuff were, well, it was a little brighter in there so you could see what you were doing. But it still you had a bit of an ambiance. Right. You know, this, the pictures I saw, it looks like everything was bright lights. Yeah. Bright lights. Bright lights. And we're like gizmo. We don't like bright lights. No, we don't. <laughs> like We don't ever <laughs> use like the overhead lights at our house or anything unless we're just looking for something. Exactly. But we were talking about that too. I feel like when we were growing up, skating rinks, bowling alleys, arcades, like you said, all of it was really dimly lit. And I don't feel like they are when you go now. Maybe a skating rink is still that way. We haven't been in a while, so I don't know. I know. I'm trying to think of like, because your sister went, they had a party for our niece. And I feel like it looked like it was kind of dim in there. I don't know. But either way, bring back the ambiance. That's right. <laughs> and last one, Celebrity Crush, Sarah Michelle Geller, Rebecca Gayhart, and Jamie Presley. Very good list. Hey, look, weren't all three of them in Scream 2? Was Jamie Presley in Scream 2? Uh, oh, I don't think she was in Scream 2. No, I don't think it was her. But Rebecca and Sarah were both in Scream 2. Yes, they were. Rebecca follows us on Instagram. Oh, that's right. She does. And Jamie Presley once called me a bitch. <gasps> That's right, out in California. That's right. Well, she didn't really call me that. She called my friend that that was driving. Mm. Well, it was directed your way. It was. You're pretty famous at this point. <laughs> Listen, it was just because she wanted us to move up so she could pull into a parking lot. <laughs> There's no excuse, Jamie Presley. You need to calm down. <laughs> I've never forgotten it, though. I was like, oh, look, it's Jamie Presley as I'm seeing her. And she's like, move, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Tyrone. Yes. That was a fantastic show and tell. It was. Thanks, Tyrone. And if you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can send us an email at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. We're on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. We're on Facebook at we don't want to grow up podcast. We also have a super secret special Facebook group called the Cozy Club dash fans of we don't want to grow up. All you have to do is answer a few fun, nostalgic questions and agree to the group rules and our amazing mod Joanna will approve you. And if you would like to support the podcast and gain access to over 60 bonus episodes, you can come to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. Yes, we now have three tiers. We have our $4 tier, which is what's been there all along. It's access to everything, all of our bonus episodes. Our $3 tier gives you access to all of our game shows, trivia, things like that that we do over there. And our $2 tier gives you access to the short and sweet episodes, the Dear Diaries, the Middle School Notes, the Teen Magazine excerpts. We added some extra tiers because we know we're not putting out as much material on our regular podcast, and it helps us a lot when you come over there, so. Come check it out. Yeah, we have a good time. And last but certainly not least, we have merch. If you would like to sport a We Don't Want to Grow Up 
shirt, hat, apron, phone case, stickers, almost anything that you could imagine, come to we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. From 1984, The Terminator. So this was a science fiction action film directed by none other than James Cameron. It was also written by James Cameron and producer Gail Ann Hurd. Pete's been very excited about this. I have. We put out a poll, by the way, on our Instagram and Facebook where the audience helped us pick from four different movies. Yes. What were the four movies we gave them? We gave them Terminator, RoboCop, Rambo. Uh, what was the fourth one? Was it Predator? And Predator, I think. Yes. It's been a little bit, but it that was. sounds like the list. Right. And we really thought like Pete wanted to do RoboCop. I did. I was so excited. <laughs> I don't know why I, I left it up to the audience, That's but what I, I, told I committed you. to it. I said, <laughs> if you ask them, I promise you it's going to be something that you would rather not do. I am totally fine doing Terminator. No, I know. Not rather not do, but it's not going to be the one that you really want to do in your heart first. Well, listen, hopefully you give me another gift. And I can cover something else. I will give you another gift. I promise. <laughs> You're so giving. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious, though, is like, shockingly, I was surprised because RoboCop was at the bottom. And you all need to go watch RoboCop again. It is incredible. I think, well, was it at the bottom or was Rambo at the bottom? I'm pretty sure that it was like Terminator was clearly the winner. Then it was Predator. RoboCop Rambo, I think. But RoboCop and Rambo were very small, a very small percentage. (laughs) And of course, everybody wanted us to cover Terminator and T2, but we're separating them. We are separating them because it just, it felt like too much. Well, the thing was, was that we were like, well, let's see how much we have to say about this one. And we felt after watching it, that it was a full episode. So let's hear your summary of this movie. (laughs) My summary. Let me say, too, I've been getting on him. We first watched this like a month ago. We did. And if not longer than a month ago. And every weekend I've been like, we need to record The Terminator because I'm going to forget every single thing that because I don't know this movie well. Right. I did not watch it in full as a kid. And when we watched it the first time, I don't know how, you know, you miss stuff when you just watch something one time. Right. I mean, I've learned that even movies that I love and have watched many times when you're trying to cover it for a podcast, you forget stuff. You do. And some important stuff. So we waited so long that I had to watch it again. <laughs> I was so mad last weekend. I had, I had to rewatch it because I realized I was looking at my notes and I was like, I don't know what any of these mean. <laughs> Listen, you had to pry me away. I'm back on Call of Duty and I've been playing it a lot. So, you know, here we are. Here we are. We're finally doing it. Today, I was like, can we please (laughs) get Terminator (laughs) done so that I can let my brain think about other things? All right. All right. Let's do it. This summary. So a human soldier is sent back from the year 2029, which seemed so far away. The future. To 1984. To stop an almost indestructible cyborg killing machine sent from the same year, which has been programmed to execute a young woman whose unborn son is the key to humanity's future salvation. 
Very well done. You've captured it. Thanks, Wikipedia. Thanks. <laughs> All right, the cast. We have the iconic Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. One of the best 80s action names. I, uh, Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese. I rescind my wish to name our unborn boy Rudder, and we would name him Kyle Reese Tuttle. Oh, I would much rather go with that than Rudder, for sure. <laughs> also, Kyle Reese can get it. He's hot. <laughs> this was peak bean. <laughs> <laughs> we have Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. <laughs> Paul Winfield as Ed Traxler. Lance Hendrickson as Vukovic. Bess Mata as Ginger, Sarah's roommate. Rick Rosovich as Matt, who is Ginger's boyfriend. He's also Slider, right? In Top Gun? Slider, you stink. <laughs> That's him, right? It is him. And Earl Bowen as Dr. Silberman. A giant wiener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so fun facts. When shooting Terminator... James Cameron often resorted to what he called guerrilla filmmaking as a way of getting around acquiring permits that were needed to film certain scenes. This involved the actors and production crew quickly arriving at a specific location, shooting the scene and leaving before police arrived. <gasps> that sounds so stressful. Yeah. So as a result, some of the people seen in a few shots are actually everyday people that are completely unaware that they're in a movie. They're everyday people. <laughs> they also did this for the reshoots that they needed. And James had to call and wake up Arnold once at 3 a.m. to come meet him at a location already in full costume to quickly reshoot a scene. He also used this tactic to film the very last scene where Sarah drives off into the desert. They were waiting for the heat to rise to the point where the ripples could be seen off in the distance and a highway patrolman appeared. Producer Galen Heard convinced him they were working on a UCLA film project, and he allowed them to finish. <laughs> so they did this all illegally. Wow. Wow. But it is pretty cool that you can see the, yes. the ripples. Yeah. And I guess you have to wait for that time of day or something. Yes. I was just listening to something where they were talking about what that's called, and now I can't remember what it was I was listening to. Probably another podcast. Well, I'm seeing that it's either a mirage or heat shimmer. Mirage. That's what they said. Ah, they were saying Mirage. One of the cooler Transformer names, by the way. Mirage. <laughs> so Arnold worked with guns every day for a month to prepare for the role. The first two weeks of filming, he practiced with weapons, stripping them and reassembling blindfolded until the motions were automatic, like a machine. I love that. He spent hours at the shooting range practicing with different weapons without blinking or looking at them when reloading or cocking. Cocking. <laughs> <laughs> he also had to be ambidextrous. Wait, my... is it ambidextrous? Ambidextrous. Ambidextrous. Let me do this. Okay. He also had to use both hands. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't say the word ambidextrous. <laughs> you did it. Yes. He practiced different moves up to 50 times. He ended up getting a compliment in Soldier of Fortune magazine for his realistic handling of guns on camera, which I guess was a high honor because the magazine usually made fun of movies for doing it inaccurately. Well done, Arnie. <laughs> oh, Arnie. So in the beginning of the movie, the Terminator drives over a toy semi-truck. Towards the end of the movie, the Terminator 
is ran over by the same model of semi truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even catch. Th- I mean, I caught I the thing either. at the end, but I didn't think about the toy truck. That's funny. Got him back in the end. It's probably the Optimus Prime truck because he's such a good guy. <laughs> so old Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Arnold tried to avoid Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean as much as possible because the Terminator was trying to kill them and he didn't want to form any connections with them. Some method acting right there. A little bit of method acting. So near the beginning of the movie, when Sarah Connor receives a message on her answering machine, breaking her date, the voice on the machine is James Cameron. That's funny. Years later, Hamilton and Cameron got married and then divorced. I forgot that they had gotten married. Me too. How long were they married? I don't know. I like sometimes when we look up facts on the spot. Yeah. Let's take a look. In a book, it's reading rainbow. What's your vote for how many years? I'm going to say one and a half. Very close. Two years. Ah. So when was it? 97 is when they got married. Oh, wow. So way later. Reportedly, Linda got a, a package of 50 million. Oh. A divorce package. Wow. I imagined a package showing up at her door with $50 million in it. Yeah, it's kind of like The Sopranos. It's going to be like one of those orange envelopes, except there's, you know, probably 50 of them, each with a million dollars. A million dollars. So when was the last Terminator movie made? Gosh, I don't know. Aren't they making a new one? I feel like I saw something about that the other day. They are continually making them and they are just not good. I'm sorry. Now, I watch them all. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a look here. Terminator Dark Fate, I think, was the last one in 2019, but let's be sure. Yeah, 2019, Terminator Dark Fate. So did James direct all of those? No, no, he did not do all of them. Um, He only did T1 and T2. Oh. Now, he was a producer on this last one. It helped a little bit. This one was better than like uh, Terminator Genesis, which was not a good movie. Terminator 3 was okay. It wasn't bad. I watched that in the theater. Terminator Salvation, I don't really remember it. I saw it, but uh, that was a McG movie. I don't know what that means. You don't know who McG is? No. Oh, he's done like, uh, he did the first Charlie's Angels. That's one of his claims to fame, I would say. Like the one in 2000? Yes. Okay. I was speaking to someone the other day that Terminator Genesis is their favorite. Terminator Genesis is their favorite? Listen, I'm sorry. If you like that movie, good for you. (laughs) I don't prefer it. That's okay. We're allowed to like different things. Yes. What makes the world go round? Honestly, maybe I need to rewatch it. I could give it another try. Let's see if there's anything on the books here. Oh, so Dark Fate was... Intended to be the first of a new trilogy, but the reception was so poor that that's been canceled. I don't know if there's another one in the works. Let's see here. It's rumored that James is working on something, but nothing that I can find is confirmed yet. Okay. So in Arnold's film, Conan the Barbarian, which came out in 1982. We should also cover that. (laughs) He only had 24 lines. James Cameron got it in his head that he wanted to give him even fewer lines in this one. So Arnold ended up with only 14 lines. I don't think Arnie was overly joyed with that. I saw some interview on on Howard Stern where it almost put him off the movie, but he relented. Yeah. But originally, he was considered for the Kyle Reese role. I read that. I think this was a better choice. I do as well, right? I know they had talked about O.J. Simpson being the Terminator mm. and him being Kyle Reese, but yeah, I feel like they got it. 
There is a, a fun little story, though. So one of the execs at Orion Pictures, who you know made Terminator, Mike Metavoy, had sent the script to Arnold for consideration. But James Cameron had originally envisioned Reese as like a, a non-bulky, more sensitive guy, right? Not, <laughs> not Arnold. But Metavoy insisted, right, that James at least go meet with Arnold. So they planned a lunch. But James Cameron admitted that he had planned to pick a fight with Arnold at the lunch <laughs> so that he could say that the actor was impossible to work with and he wouldn't have to deal with it. Oh, but, no. Yeah, but against his expectations, they got along very well. And Arnold showed great enthusiasm about the script and had some really good ideas about the Terminator role. And James liked his ideas so much, he offered him that role and telling him this movie isn't about the hero, quote unquote, about Kyle Reese. This is a movie about the Terminator. And so he kind of had to convince Arnold that this was the better role. And Arnold had to convince his own agent that this was the right choice because his agent didn't want him playing villain roles. Uh. But yeah, so I mean, it's a fun little story. And I guess Arnold and James... Remain great friends to this day. I like that. Yeah. Well, and Arnold wouldn't have been on the cover if he wasn't the Terminator. You That's know? right. I mean, they probably would have ended up putting him on the cover, but well, Maybe. was he? Because he was known then. Because Conan was yes big, right? right? Right. Was he in anything else that was big before then? I mean, I feel like that was his biggest movie. I don't know. Oh, he was outside in of that, the Long right? Goodbye '73, Pumping Iron '77, Conan yeah, so, the Barbarian. I mean, of those, I only know. Right. Conan. But I mean, I'm, I was just a baby. Just a baby. <laughs> I'm sure in the bodybuilding world, it was like, oh, that's Arnold. Right. I don't know if everybody else knew him. Yeah. I mean, he did make an appearance on Wild and Crazy Kids. That's and true. I saw that. You know, I, yep. knew, I knew him from that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just posted that the other day. <laughs> I saw that. On the O.J. Simpson front, the producers thought he was too nice to be taken seriously as a cold-blooded killer. Ooh. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Yes, we will. So James Cameron had been fired from Piranha 2, The Spawning, which was being filmed in Rome. He had gone there anyway because he thought maybe he would still be involved in like the editing process, but he didn't have money or proper food and he got sick. I don't know if he ate something bad or whatever, but he went to bed one night with a high fever, which I guess wouldn't give you a fever if you ate something bad, right? Could. Could? Yeah, really? I had a fever when I, I got food poisoning. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize. Well, I sure felt like I had a fever. <laughs> I thought the world was coming to an end. <laughs> so he had a fever dream. He had a nightmare of a metal endoskeleton emerging from flames, dragging itself over the floor, holding kitchen knives. And when he woke up, he immediately drew what he had seen. So most of the script for Terminator was written backwards from there. So that endoskeleton would have to be futuristic. But since James couldn't afford to film the film in the future, the solution was to bring the future to the present. That's smart. Yes. You know, hence the time travel aspect. Right. So when special effects artist Stan Winston was brought in, he added a few more designs for that endoskeleton. But in the end, they basically used the one that Cameron had drawn the first time from his dream. That is awesome. I wonder where the red eyes came from. Stan or James. Mm. I love those red eyes. <laughs> so the name of the nightclub where the Terminator first target Sarah was called Tech Noir. After a film genre, which James Cameron coined himself in describing what category this film falls under. After dismissing notions that it was a mere horror or a slasher film. 
tech noir films like Blade Runner from 1982. And this film combined the old style grittiness of noir films with the futuristic elements of a sci-fi thriller. So James himself had the club built for the film and had to turn away local club goers who thought tech noir was a real nightclub. <laughs> the building still exists, but it's now a jewelry oh, store. That's wah, upsetting. Wah. Yeah, it should be. A Open it up as tech noir. Tech right noir. Now. Make sure it's dark. Put arcade games in there. Put an animatronic Terminator up there singing Chuck E. Cheese songs. Yes, and I'm going to go put on my pearls. Yes. And wear it because Your pearls. all the women in the club had the pearls on. They were dressed to the nines. Yes, they had their they finest were. pearls on. <laughs> Michael Bean almost didn't get the role. Of Kyle Reese, because in his first audition, he spoke with a Southern accent. And this was because he had been auditioning for a part for the stage production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So during a talk with Michael's agent, the producers mentioned that they liked his performance, but they didn't want Reese's accent making him seem like too regionalized. And the agent was like, what accent? (laughs) (laughs) He's from Boston. (laughs) So after the mystery was cleared up, the producers called Beam back for another audition and he got the part. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's funny that he was like, I guess, inspired by his cat on a hot tin roof. Well, I wonder if he was like, you know, I've been working on this so hard. I'm just going to use it. Right. Right. Like, why (laughs) why not? can't let this go to waste. Yeah. Like, it's unique. Kyle Rice. (laughs) (laughs) So the beginning of production was postponed for nine months due to Arnie having previously committed to Conan the Destroyer, 1984. Another thing we need to cover (laughs) during this time, James Cameron wanted to be working, but didn't have the time to do a whole other film. He had a talk with some of the producers over at Fox who liked his screenplay for Terminator, and they gave him a writing assignment. This turned out to be Aliens, 1986. On the same day, he was also asked to write the script for Rambo First Blood Part 2. Wow. 1985, another one we need to cover. (laughs) While handling these two assignments, he also did additional work on his Terminator screenplay, writing each script at night at a different desk in order to keep the projects apart. Wow. He calculated how many pages he had to write each night by dividing the total number of pages... By the number of waking hours per night, (laughs) he said he had accomplished that by drinking lots of coffee, a habit he finally kicked after completing T2 Judgment Day 1991, another thing that we'll be covering. (laughs) The only thing you didn't say we needed to cover there was aliens. Did you just forget to say that? I forgot to say it there. (laughs) Aliens 1986. Another one we need we are to cover. Just racking up a list. We've got a list. One every year. That's right. Oh. Whoa! Oh! I'm kidding. You heard it here first, audience. <laughs> Let's see if she's kidding or not. <laughs> I do think that's hilarious that he had different desks set up. I feel like I would need to like meditate or something to bring myself into the the vibe of whatever I was writing on. It would be yeah. hard to like switch off. Right. But that is pretty spectacular. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. He, like, owned 80s action movies. And now he's owning the 2000s, I guess, Avatar action movies as well. Yeah. That man must be loaded. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Not must be. I mean, he is. Yeah. (laughs) I like this one. So Arnold had his eyebrows insured at Lloyd's of London because he was afraid that they might not grow back properly after he shaved them for this scene where he runs over a car on fire in the alley after the tech noir shootout. He was concerned. (laughs) I mean, I I don't blame him. I don't blame him either, right? Like, what would have happened if they didn't come back? (laughs) Although, I mean, all of us girls in the 90s tweezed the heck out of our eyebrows and uh, they didn't all come back. (laughs) I can tell you that. 
<laughs> you need my eyebrows. They're an unstoppable force. <laughs> I could wax them all off and they would come back even thicker. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so the puppet of Arnold's face took six months to create, which is surprising. <laughs> and we'll talk about it later. Oh, man. So allegedly, Arnold was the one that suggested that the advertising campaign play up the romance between Sarah and Kyle to appeal to a wider audience. But they ignored his advice. Hmm. But the film still proved popular with women anyway. Did it? That's what it says. Huh. <laughs> so say it's it. a fact. Wikipedia. <laughs> Ipso facto. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong, right? It's like, I feel like all advertising generally focuses on that. It's surprising that they didn't do that at all for this one. It is surprising. And he he was not wrong. Like, I mean, I know it still did very well, but I'm just saying if I were someone that was of the age that I would have gone to see a movie like that, which I, I, I mean, this came out in 1984. I was four when it came out. Yeah, you were too young. Yeah. But if I had been like a teenager and I saw the romance part of it, then I might have gone. Maybe. I would say I was seven and this movie scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so the Terminator is the only character to be listed in the American Film Institute's 100 Heroes and Villains as both a villain for this film and a hero for T2 Judgment Day. Oh. Al Pacino and Arnie are the only two actors to be on the list as playing a villain and a hero, but Pacino played two different characters. 13 other actors and actresses appear twice or more, but either all as heroes or all as villains. Wow. Good job, Arnie. So versatile. Yes. So Sarah, Sarah Connor... Is 18 years old. 18? In this movie. Whoa. I'm so confused. Because to me, she looks like she's like 28. I was going to say 27, but I'll go with 28 as well. <laughs> I was actually thinking more 30s, but I was trying to be generous. <laughs> 18? And this is proven in T2, where Dr. Silberman says that Sarah is 29. And John is 10 years old, having been born when Sarah was 19. Looky there. All this continuity. Wow. I like that, though. I do, too. There's not a hole there. They covered their bases. So our final fun fact, Michael Bean and Arnold are in the same frame together in this movie only once. Hmm. It's when Kyle blasts the Terminator the second time at Tech Noir. When they finally meet in the factory, it's not Arnie. It's just a metallic puppet, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Okay, favorite moments. I feel like I'm going to own this section. You are. This is your time to shine, my love. Yes. <laughs> what is your number one favorite moment? We're going to start with you. All right. I wrote down the tooting sound that Pete makes whenever Arnold was Nike. Because <laughs> they always show his butt. Every time they show his butt at the beginning, Pete goes... <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh every time I was 12. I'm glad to have brought you such joy. Yes. <laughs> this is like when you make notes for like mannequin or something and you're like, they're Egyptian? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> All right. My first one. The very first Sarah Connor kill. It's brutal and heartless by the T-800. Or is he the T-101? I'm not sure which is right. I know he's the T-800. I think he's also the T-101. I don't know the difference. I didn't dig into it enough. Same. It's going to be both. <laughs> we, we got Arnie in his gray jacket. He's got the chain on it. Blast through the door. We got that red laser on his gun. Laser. And his gun, by the way, looks like Megatron. This was terrifying back in the day. I thought I'd see a lot more red laser guns than I did. 
in real life. Yes, I thought they were going to be a bigger part of my life than well, they were. We're not to 2029 yet, so. No, no, this was 1984. I know, but did he bring it with him from? No. Oh. He got it from the gun store. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Listen, if there are any Terminator super fans, apologies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel free. Listen, I'm a fan of Terminator, but I'm just a regular fan of Terminator. <laughs> Fun fact about the laser pointer that was fitted within the iron sights of that 1911 long slide pistol. The laser had to be fitted with an external power source that they hid under Arnold's sleeve, and it required him to flip a switch that was in his other hand. Oh. Modern versions, of course, have a self-contained battery, but yeah. Wow. That's why it looks so futuristic. Okay. Glad you found that little bit of information. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) All right. My next favorite moment, Sarah being flustered at the restaurant. She's bringing people the wrong order. She's got customers from other tables calling for her like, Miss, we're ready. You've got a kid who puts a scoop of ice cream in her apron pocket. I like who does. Is that Dennis the Menace? Did he sneak (laughs) into this movie? And then her friend who's a waitress comes up to her and she's like, look at it this way. In 100 years, who's going to care? A very good point. Mm. And I was like, you know what? That's something that I need to remember in my everyday life when I'm flustered and frazzled over like something that's so insignificant, but it feels big at the time. I need to remember in a hundred years, who's going to care? That's right. After the AI has taken over, (laughs) destroyed the world. Uh, I saw a meme recently and it's like a picture of John Connor looking into the camera, really smoldery, Edward Furlong. And he's like, John Connor judging all of you who are befriending AI. (laughs) (laughs) Number two on my list, when Sarah sees Reese at the Tech Noir Club, just at the same moment that the Terminator sees her at the table, Kyle blasts him, and then out comes the Uzi. (laughs) Oh, not the Uzi. Best weapon of the 80s by far. It was incredible to see that weapon anytime you saw. So cool. (laughs) But Kyle blasts him again, and then we get the great line. Come with me if you want to live. I actually use that in Call of Duty all the time. I'm not sure that anybody knows what the hell I'm talking about, (laughs) but uh, it is a sick reference, bro. (laughs) (laughs) If you do say so yourself. Okay. So I love all of the stuff when Kyle and Sarah are in the hotel room. All the mushy stuff. Yes, of course. I'm here for that. I mean, you weren't going to mention any of this. No. When. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I do. Oh, okay. When Kyle strokes Sarah's hair while she's sleeping. And then when she's like, Kyle, the women in your time, what are they like? And then Stacy quickly interjected, (laughs) do they like to f***? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, It was hilarious. That's just what came out after she said, (laughs) what were they like? (laughs) Because you can tell that she was like, into him. Oh, yeah. She was hot for him. So she's just like making conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do they do this? All right. <laughs> do women in your time do this? <laughs> also, I love, you know, Kyle's telling her, like, John Connor gave me a picture of you. And then he says, I memorized every line, every curve. I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. I always have. Come on. I came across time for you. Woo. Woo, what a line. Best line ever. And then he walks across the room. Maybe, and he's, maybe best line of the movie. Okay. All right. Listen, you're going to say this is your number one line from any movie ever? <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> it's a great line. 
And then Kyle walks across the room and he's like, I shouldn't have said that. And then she crosses the room to kiss him. And then that piano music begins. And we know what's about to happen. Oh, yeah. Bow, chicky, bow, bow. (laughs) All right, number three on my list, the chase scene at the end. Reese has just sacrificed himself with that pipe bomb. The Terminator blown into bits. Or has it? No! (laughs) The torso of the one-armed Terminator continues the fight. Snatching, grabbing, crawling. Sarah barely escapes its clutches. She had shrapnel in her leg, so she couldn't get up and run. The conveyor belt is bringing it closer to her. She crawls through the smasher, crusher, pancaker thing, luring it to her. Its red eyes intent on only one thing, the kill. It doesn't notice the smasher, crusher, pancaker thing. (laughs) It's the end of the line for Sarah. The Terminator is there, reaching out to complete its mission. Closer and closer. It's all over. But wait, she's found the smasher, crusher, pancaker button. We get the iconic line. You're a terminated fucker. (laughs) The Terminator realizes too late that he's now going to be smashed, crushed, and pancaked. That's it, Terminator. Hasta la vista. Baby. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's a call out to T2 for anybody. Yes, yes. The smasher, crusher, pancaker thing? Yeah, I don't know exactly what I that thing is called. A press. It. It's a press it's of a some press. kind. But then I said, what does it do? It smashes, it crushes. And then eventually I was like, yeah, pancake too. He's a pancake. So it's a smasher, <laughs> crusher, pancaker. That was a very dramatic reading of your thoughts. I Thank loved you. it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and scene. Wait, is that the part where he's reaching? You said he's reaching his hand through the through the gate. Is that? It's like when she's in the thing and he's reaching his yeah. hand through. Yeah. I notated that that was a very memorable image. Oh, yes. Of his hand reaching through and her, she's like turning her face to the side. Yeah. It also is close to an image from Aliens. Oh, yes. As well. Mm-hmm. Um, with the face coming through. Yes. And then the, the face within a face. I had to look it up to see exactly what I was remembering. But yeah, like I said, I didn't know this movie well, but I knew that image. All right, HMs, what you got? Honorable mentions when Matt, a.k.a. Slider, says, Don't make me bust you up, man. (laughs) It's just very 80s. Very tough in the 80s. Yeah, I'm going to bust you up. (laughs) Don't make me bust you up, man. I'm going to put on some jeans and play volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my first HM, the opening theme. An absolute banger. That tune will rattle on in my head for all time. All right. So the Terminator gets hit by a truck and the driver gets out to check on him. Terminator takes him out and then he gets in the truck and there's a passenger and he just looks at the passenger and says, get out. (laughs) I just like that part. I think it's funny. It's great. All right. Next up, we get Reese's warnings on what the Terminator does. You still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's what he does! That's all he does! You can't stop him! He'll wait for you, reach down your throat, and pull her fucking heart out! Duck! Let, let go of me! Very intense. Reese, zero chill. <laughs> all right, this is just a very small moment, but towards the end when they're in the warehouse, and he's like in the full robot form. Endoskeleton. Yes. 
there's a moment where, you know, you think he's dead and then he sits up and I jumped. <laughs> and I was just like, this definitely is like a horror movie, but with a robot. That's right. Which is what he was going for. I understand that now, but I was like, yep, that's what it is. <laughs> definitely. It feels like a Michael Myers situation or Jason where you think he's dead and he just you can't kill him. Like he just keeps waking up. Maybe all those other ones are from the future and they're Terminators, too. Jason, mm. Michael Myers, hmm? mm. maybe. Maybe that's why you can't kill them, because otherwise I just don't understand it. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Next up for me, the police station assault. There's like 30 cops there. They had assured Sarah that she was safe because mm. all those cops were there. He mows them all down. It's a great action scene. I love it. It's also when we get the great line. I'll be back. In my final HM, we have seen the picture that Kyle is carrying around with him. I love how at the end we get to see like where that picture was actually taken. Right. Which is when Sarah is at the gas station and she's pregnant and the little kid comes up and takes a picture of her sitting there in her Jeep. And you're like, oh, that's There it, it is. There's the moment. I like it. So I'm done. So you can rattle off the rest of your HMs. All right. Here we go. We got Arnie pulling his eyeball out at the sink. <laughs> oh. The first part of that is so memorable to me. Like it, again, terrified me back then. Now, of course, it's something that we'll talk about in a bit. The second half of that scene. <laughs> but I love the first half of that scene. A small one is they called the robot a robot. <laughs> like my dad. What else were we talking about where they said it? Oh, was it when we did He-Man? Yes. On our Patreon. I think so, yes. We were talking about the robot. Robots. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, another line from Reese, the listen and understand line. Listen and understand. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop. Ever. Until you are dead. Next up, another small one on the answering machine at Sarah and Ginger's house. They note on the answering machine message that machines need love too. Subtle call out. Hi there. I, I, I fooled you. You're talking to a machine. But don't be shy. It's okay. Machines need love too. So talk to it. And Ginger, that's me, or Sarah will get back to you. Wait for the beep. In the future, just a thought, right? When they have like the human settlement, they're hiding, they're checking everybody at the door to make sure they're not a Terminator. But they do that inside the door. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe a better idea would have been to check them outside the door right? before they let them in and they blast everybody in there. Or maybe have like a an outside door and an inside door and you check them in the middle section. And I don't know, maybe it would have been a, a better idea. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like it would have been a better idea. I mean, they've done that since the early 2000s at the data centers that I go visit, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do you not learn by 2029? Yeah. Like, you should know that because we know that right now in 2023. Now, here's the thing. Maybe it wasn't a practice that started until the mid 2000s and Judgment Day had already happened. So they never got to learn that. On their timeline. Yeah. Next up, poor Ginger had the sandwich of the century made prepared to give to Matt. Nobody got to eat that sandwich. But boy, did it look delicious. What a waste. Big waste. 
All right. Next on my list, 2029, I put, uh uh-oh, that is fast approaching. (laughs) And here we are at the dawn of the age of AI. Yep. A small little tidbit here. The Terminator has the same RAM capacity as the Commodore 64. (laughs) 256K of RAM. Wow. And yet here he is, this unstoppable killing machine. Maybe they were just very efficient over at Skynet. I guess so. In the love scene, we do get... The old interlocked hands while banging shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Never personally pulled that off. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try it sometime. Maybe. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) For Arnold's first ever I'll be back line, he wanted the line to be I will be back because he didn't think a robot would speak in contractions. But James Cameron did not like that in the end. They shot like 10 different takes of Arnie delivering that line, and they settled on this one, which is, of course, one of the most memorable cinema lines from the 80s. Yes, that was a good call on James's part. Yes. And finally, Sarah taking over driving from Reese for the win, right? Like Reese is up there with the shoddy blasting at the Terminator. She stops the car right before they hit the wall. The Terminator does not. And he absolutely destroys himself and that car. (laughs) So good job, Sarah. Better than the machine. And that's it for my favorite moments in HMs. Wow. It's like when we did Die Hard. I just got sit to sit back. sit back and listen for a sip while. Sip coffee. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sure there's something that I left out, but I tried to be very thoughtful about it. If there's something I left out, sorry. Yes. So least favorite moments. For me, I just wrote when Arnold or Terminator is cutting into himself. Like with his His arm. arm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, I guess, the first time we see his robot guts. Yeah. But when you first see it, it's like, don't do that. Stop cutting. And even though I know it doesn't hurt him, it hurts me to see it. I agree. So I don't like it. (laughs) And I love horror movies and stuff, but that's still (laughs) just, it's a little, it's a bit much. Bit much. My least favorite moment, nothing. (laughs) I loved it all. Just kidding. The special effects when we're in the second half of that scene where Arnie cuts his eyeball out, when it goes to puppet Terminator, it is absolutely ridiculous, even for the times. We got a good laugh out of that. We did. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) Now, I can remember not noticing that back in the day at all. That makes sense. Probably thinking, oh, wow, that's still the Terminator. So realistic. Yeah. All right. And finally, our signs of the time. What you got? Well, we have the punks hair and outfits, like the blue spikes. At first, we were just acknowledging the hair and stuff. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, that's Bill Paxton. None other than Bill Paxton. (laughs) And I also noted that people in that kind of outfit were considered dangerous. Oh, yes. Yeah. Be very afraid of the punks. Oh, yes. And their spiky hair. We were just watching, we're rewatching Stranger Things. Yep. And we're in season two where Eleven goes to Chicago and she meets up with Eight. Yes. <laughs> her sister and all of her friends. And they're all very hard looking. They are. punk. Yes. And one of the guys has like a big mohawk and it's like, oh, he's supposed to be scary. (laughs) He's like eight foot tall with that hair. That's right. Watch out. My first one, we have a fully jacked Arnold. He's absolutely at his physical peak here. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. You sure? He's huge. Yes. (laughs) All right. Next up, I have photo booths. Uh Uh-huh. Listen, I'm sure we've talked about them on here before at some point, but photo booths were so exciting back in the day. 
They were. They were so much fun. My friends and I, every single time we went to the mall, maybe not every time, but almost every time we would go in the photo booth and take pictures. Well, they were so cheap. Yeah. But it was like, oh, you know, we didn't carry cameras around right. back then. And it was like you were documenting your time hanging out at the mall. And they were so unique looking too, right? Like that film strip. Yeah. You know, it's always like a little bit washed out. Yep. It was great. I loved them. And then sometimes you would get like a really great picture and you're like, well, nobody's ever going to see that. Right. You know what I mean? But it's like, that is such a good picture. <laughs> It's just going to sit on your mirror. Right. And you always had to make a different pose before every That's right. shot. Even I did photo booths. Not that often, but a few times. Yeah. But it's like nowadays, nobody would care to do that. I mean, maybe people do it because it's like kitschy and nostalgic. Right. And like people have them at like weddings now to be fun. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. It's like the extent of the photo booth. Mm -hmm. All right. Next on mine, I put Velcro Nike high tops. Absolutely dope. <laughs> they were so cool back then. Like, yeah. I can remember seeing Kyle put those on me and like, wow, I really want those. <laughs> I loved Sarah's outfit that we see when she's going to work. She's got this light blue tearaway jacket, mm -hmm. you know, that she could take the sleeves off and stuff. Guest jeans with no pockets on the butt. No pockets. No pockets in her pink backpack. So stylish. Mm-hmm. All right, next on mine, the white pages. <laughs> <laughs> it's white. Sorry. It's white. <laughs> Sarah and Ginger getting ready to go out in the bathroom at the same time. I love this scene so much. And I went back and paused and rewatched so that I could try to see all the things that were on the counter in there. So you had this bottle that just said muscle rub. Muscle rub? <laughs> <laughs> of course, there was aerosol hairspray, baby oil that I'm sure they put on in boatloads at the beach. Yeah. It looks like two sets of rollers, like hot rollers, stacked on top of each other. Probably both of theirs that they brought from home and yep. they're now just stacked in the bathroom. You had some of the really dark tanning oil that I think it says beach buff Ooh, on it. Yeah. You know, they couldn't show like... Real. Real brands. Yeah. Although I say that, but then there was a box of Tampax sitting there. <laughs> and I don't think they were sponsoring them at the time, but you never know. And then, of course, they had makeup and nail polish and all of that. Ginger is listening to her Walkman radio. I couldn't tell if it was just a radio or if it was a cassette one. Sarah's wearing a Jetsons sleep shirt. Ooh, yeah. To get ready. Good in. catch. Yeah. I love all of that. Very good list. <laughs> And obviously, Ginger's the one who uses that dark tanning oil because she is very tanned. She is, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Matt as well. He was tanned. Matt, yeah. All right, next on my list, Sarah's scooter. She's got a Honda scooter that was baller back in the day. It's the Honda Elite CH125, or it might have been the CH150. I don't really know. But boy, was it cool. Yes. So Ginger's boyfriend, Matt, we just talked about him. He calls the apartment while they're getting ready, and Sarah answers, and he mistakenly tries to have phone sex with Sarah. Oh, that's and right. she lets him go on for a while. She's laughing. And then <laughs> finally she's like, uh. <laughs> he realizes that's Sarah. And then he just, he's like, put Ginger on. Ginger gets on and he just immediately goes into Back the phone into sex it. with her. <laughs> right. Oh, I forgot to mention on the last one. Also, Sarah not wearing a helmet while riding the scooter. Yeah. <laughs> Very telling of the time. It is. The VCR that the cops used to play Reese's video to Sarah was very mid-80s. There are these photo frames that I know you all know that's hanging on the wall back there. It had all these cutouts 
The paper that was there was like a brown paper and you had ovals cut out and circles and rectangles and squares, all the shapes, except for maybe triangles. And you would just put different pictures in each one. I think my mom still has that up at her house. Yes. I found one that my sister had from that great attic search two years ago that we did (laughs) and pictures were still in it. So I had to like open it up because I wanted a couple of the pictures. (laughs) You opened it? I did open it because I wanted to scan them. Okay. All right. She didn't even know they were up there. They've been up there for 30 years. They could have powderized when you touched them. Yeah. Well, they didn't. All right. You're lucky. (laughs) That frame was very protective. I see why people used it. There you go. My last one, the stop motion animation and green screen effects that they used for the T-800 while it was in like endoskeleton slash robot form, (laughs) right? Like what a difference those few years made between 84 and 91. When you compare what things looked like in T-2 versus the first Terminator, it is like 20 years had gone by. I look forward to seeing it. Me too. In T-2 when we watch it. Yeah. Next year. Kidding. Or am I? (laughs) We already talked about it a little bit, but playing messages on the answering machine. That was just, it was exciting to pick what your outgoing message was going to be. Oh, yeah. I remember in college, like we would pick a song and we wrote a song one time. Yeah. My roommates and I. (laughs) I wish I had that somewhere. I, for a short period of time, did the one where it goes like, hello, hello. (laughs) I got my family like three times with that. It was great. Also, of course, we have to mention the outfit that Sarah's in for the majority of the movie. She's got that purplish members only-ish jacket. I tried to find out what brand it was and stuff, but I couldn't really Mm. find that. It's close enough. It was meant to be a members only jacket. Yes. And it's over her like pink and white tie-dye Henley shirt when she's like taking herself out on a date. Like that was what she left the house to go do. She was going to a movie and all of that. And then, of course, her world turned upside down. Yes, it did. (laughs) All the outfits, of course, we talked about the girls wearing the pearls at the club. Just a different time. Yeah. People went out in their Sunday best, apparently. Yes. I just don't know if that was the case or not. I think so. Well, I mean, in the early 2000s, it became a thing where girls almost looked like they were wearing office attire to the club. Really? In some ways. Yes. Huh. So, (laughs) I mean, office attire for early 2000s. But still, it was like a little more dressed up than, you know, wearing like. Body con dresses and stuff. A what? A tight fitting dress. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, Sarah says, I can't even balance my checkbook. And I just feel like I know there are people that still write checks and balance their checkbooks. You know who we're talking to? I know who they are, (laughs) but I haven't used a check in I don't know how long. Probably. Well, I did used to write checks to pay rent. So probably after I moved here in 2014, I stopped using checks and I still had checkbooks for a long time just sitting in a box. And I finally threw them away like a couple of years ago. Did you? Yeah. Well, I shredded Shredded them. them. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go dumpster diving. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long time. So good luck. (laughs) I still have to occasionally write a check, but I pay attention to services that I sign up for now to make sure that I don't have to use them because I may have run out. Yeah. Well, it's just a pain. It is a pain. Yeah. So, but I know people who still don't know how to use like PayPal or Venmo or things like that. And I'm like, what? They might even be related to you. (laughs) They might. (laughs) The headband that Sarah's wearing at the end of the movie and her maternity outfit, I wrote, did she get it at JCPenney? 
I think so. It does look like what you would see in the catalogs of JCPenney's. And then the last thing, the date when she is recording her message at the end, she says 7 November 10. I was trying to figure out what that meant. Me too. But November 10th is our wedding anniversary. So we were like, hey. (laughs) I think it was 7 a.m. on November 10th. Okay. But yes, we're famous now. We're We're famous. 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've done it. Oh, are you so happy? I am so happy. Thank you, my love, for this <laughs> gift that you've given me. Oh, my gosh. Now, let's go talk about the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm back home again. All right. It was fun, I will admit. Glad you enjoyed it, and thanks for coming along for the ride. Yes. Violent and sci-fi as it may have been. I'm here for the love story. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed. We'll see you next time. I'll be back. Eight is enough. (laughs) Sick reference, bro. Thanks. Uh, Cut that, cut that, cut that. (laughs) Outtake, outtake, outtake. (laughs) Oh, we couldn't have done this without mentioning that. Holy s***. Yeah, sorry. We almost dropped the ball. Almost. (laughs) Good thing I was here. Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. How many sandwiches have you made for me? Oh. (laughs) Getting hot here. Oh, I completely missed the opportunity to call him Smashed Crushed Pancakeinator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry.